This is K-12 Tech Talk. K-12 Tech Talk. The podcast by K-12 Techs for K-12 Techs. Real conversations, real arguments, and real banter on trending K-12 technology topics and issues. Live from the somethingcool.com studios, this is the K-12 Tech Talk Podcast, episode 116. I am Josh in the cloudy, rainy state of Missouri, cold too for this time of year. Uh, With me, also freezing, he's got a coat on today, is Chris. Holla! And Mark is wearing a t-shirt and we're not sure what else. Um, Hello, Mark. Hello! (laughs) So it's uh it's been a busy week. Um I don't know. Did you you guys we'll just start off with it. Um paper cut. Did you guys get do you guys have paper cut in your in- I had one yesterday. It didn't get me very deep though. I'm I'm gonna be okay. Oh my gosh. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And that Yeah, we don't we don't we don't use that. Oh, and Mark's not going to say what he uses. Okay. Um, no, we, we had a, a school using paper cut. So. Oh, really? Yes. You don't? Okay. See, we're going to have to talk about all that, Mark, when we meet in person next week about how different buildings do different things um, and how you guys keep your arms around that. I find that fascinating. Yeah. Um, yeah I'd like to check that out, too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do you, never mind. Never mind. Um, so yeah, I guess late last week, Thursday, Friday last week, um, it was announced that Papercut had a pretty serious vulnerability. Two, two really serious vulnerabilities. Um, and the the alert came out from MSI SAC and the federal entities, and it ended up on bleeping computer. I think was it Thursday evening or Friday during the day. Um, and it was like all hands on deck, update your Papercut servers. So. It was it was on K twelve Tech Pro. Yeah, sorry, didn't mention K twelve Tech Pro, the finest institution for K twelve Tech news out there on K twelve Tech Pro dot com. Um, so yeah, if you've got a paper cut server and you haven't updated to the newest revision or the newest software update, definitely get that done. Make sure if you're not doing it, make sure that it's not public facing, um, because they are absolutely getting uh, leverage for ransomware attacks. It sounds like um, you guys have any other comments on that or okay well i feel like you guys aren't going to give me a comment do you make sure there's content filtering applied to your printers and copiers or do you mostly worry about firewall what do you mean like your content filter like your light speed your your securely can a printer no uh browse to inappropriate content i'm not talking about ports open and like firewall land i'm talking about are you okay with your printer looking at pornography as opposed to the computer sitting next to it it's for sure to getting a block screen well i'm not sure do you know what i'm saying i know i understand what you're saying i'm not like sure. you like your light speed that has a chromebook extension that's doing the right. filtering or or your 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 windows agent that's doing the filtering well that's not available to your printer this has nothing to do with this exploit yeah are you worried are you worried about your printer Printing out pornography, and so you want to. Have- I don't know. This is just an interesting question. I don't. Like, I don't. I know. care about my printer. You know what it can access, firewall wise, or what what the outside can get to the printer. 
but as far as what my printer's reaching out to and like okay um what it's looking at on i'm you not know what I mean? yeah i know what you mean i'm not sure that's exactly possible but i will tell you a story um when i got to my district nine years ago one of the very first things that happened was i got an email from our state consortium because uh, they managed our public IPs at the time and they were managing that traffic and sniffing that traffic. Um, I One of the very first things that happened was I got an email from the security team at the consortium saying that my printers were taking part in an SNMP attack because they had public-facing IP addresses. <laughs> um, so, yeah, those those have yeah. been since been moved behind the firewall. Um, your print, your printers were just sitting that on the internet. Yeah, I, I mean they, I mean they were mine because I had started, but that wasn't something that I did. I remedied the situation. That's cool, um, man. Yeah, so I understand what you're saying. Um, and I mean we block SNMP out now, but I don't know that that's. As, I don't know that what you're is you are explaining is a concern. I don't know. I don't know if that's worth going down that thing. <laughs> um, you 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 just told me that your printer is not it doesn't have content filtering applied to it. No, it does with the firewall, but they don't reach out. I, I, and I guess the solution that the end all solution there would be a printer VLAN, and you put a rule in the firewall or a ACL at your core that says IP addresses on this VLAN can't traverse out or tra- can't traverse to these networks. Um, I address. How do you get the printer to sign the acceptable use policy, Josh? Great question. Printers that are like running cyber attacks. Well, and they're under 13. They're under the age of, they're not 13 years old, so they can't. Yeah, well, we got to do it. Media account. Um, How life works out. And those printers, they probably have like a printer bill of rights. Yeah. (laughs) If they're in Wyoming, (laughs) they they can't sign up for TikTok accounts. Um, Or Montana? What state was it that just, one of those states just passed that? Um, you know, I, okay. So we're going off on a tangent here. I, there was an article, uh, that I read that South Dakota, one of those States up there passed a law that no one under the age of 13 can open up a social media account. It's like, yeah, most of those social media pages all have that as part of their terms of service anyway. Um, if you were a printer, like who would you like look up to as like the printer, like the printer, like, like you put one of those old HPs up there. Uh, like who do the, yeah? Who, who do printers look 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 to? Who are they? For the granddaddy of them all, who are the influencers like in the printer land? Yeah, like as as in the, the like yes. When when we inject AI into printers and printers are like this, this is going to be our spokesperson. The HP LaserJet Four. Yeah, that's the granddaddy. Yep. I think Dominion's the like the Kardashians of the printer world. I've never heard of Dominion printers. You don't think the like I just think the Lexmarks are gonna take over in mass. <laughs> okay. Let let's let's talk about some valuable content real quick. <laughs> um some of the most valuable content we have here are our sponsors. Let Chris, you want to talk about Fortinet real quick and Mr. Chris Illingworth. I I exchanged a few emails with Chris this week. Were they good? Yeah, of course. They're always good. He is top content, man. Uh, we do appreciate Fortinet. You can email Fortinet Podcast at Fortinet.com. Uh, they have more than just the FortiGate. Uh, they can help you with all kinds of cybersecurity solutions. 
uh, and beyond just cybersecurity even. But reach out to Fortinet, check out their products, check out check out their services. If you email Fortinet Podcast at Fortinet.com, uh, that email goes to Chris that we're talking about. He's a great guy. Yeah, he'll he can give you re- restaurant recommendations. Uh, yesterday, I was emailing him about the this children's book about cybersecurity that Fortinet. Um, Which is a super good book. It's yep. a super. One of my guys found it. We had it. One of my guys came across it, and he's like, "We need to get this for our teachers." Like it, yep. it explained everything very, very, very well. So that that's a great little book. Um, so I guess one of the hot topics this week uh, has been this article that I guess Verge wrote the Verge dot com. Mark's wrote, face is already getting red. I'm sorry. Mark's face is over. Yeah, Mark got really worked up over this. Um, the Verge wrote an article titled "School Bought Millions of Chromebooks." Schools bought millions of Chromebooks in 2020, and three years later, they're starting to break. Um, and it goes on to talk about this. I guess a study that was done by the U.S. Public Interest Research Group Education Fund, which sounds like word salad to me. Um, Mark, since this this got you all worked up and hot and bothered, do you want to cover it real quick? I did get I did get worked up. I feel like there are some misconceptions and and misinterpretations of things in the article. So why don't we dive right into it? Uh, I think I sent you the the USPR PIRG education yeah. report. Uh, and the headline, the big, big, shiny, bold text is that schools have piles of working Chromebooks that have become e-waste because they've expired. And they've got some shiny graphics that say that doubling the life of Chromebooks could save $1.8 billion to U.S. taxpayers uh, and cut carbon pollution equivalent to 900,000 cars for a year. Wow. That's a lot. So where is this coming from? Can I can I just make one comment already? Mm-hmm. If if schools weren't buying Chromebooks, they'd be buying something else. So do you think the uh, pollution reduction would really take place if they were buying a different product? That's already point number one that I'm seeing an issue with this article, right? Yeah. Well, so what they're saying in in the very first point in here is that, and and I'm going to read their words exactly. Chromebooks have a built-in death date. Death date in quote. Wasn't that a movie? Death death date? Death day. day. Dead day. Dead day. Death day. So that's when the software expires. Now, if you're not a Chromebook district, uh, you might be wondering, well, there's a magical death date. What they're referring to is the end of support date. And it is the equivalent of Microsoft also having the end of support date for various operating systems. So it's basically when they're going to stop supporting that operating system. It is not a death day as in the device will magically stop working. So that's my first kind of challenge with this is that it's the the assumption is that a Chromebook will magically die on a particular day and we have no choice but to throw it in the dumpster. And And to put this in context, the Chromebooks that I just purchased this year for next school year have a death day of 2030. Um, so going forward, who, how many people are replacing desktops over the next three years, two years that don't have a TPM module in them to support windows 11. That's a hard death day that like those machines are not going to function on windows 11. So pick your poison. Okay. 
we we yes. debug so, that. Okay. No, no, no. So, so that they're, the first point is that they have a death date, which we know is not true. It means that they're end of support. Now, end of support means a couple of things, right? It means they're not getting software updates. So there could be vulnerabilities. There could be bugs, just like with any other device. There could be bugs when the, when the manufacturer stops supporting it. But the other thing, though, is that there are certain applications that will not work on that device. Now, we have Chromebooks that we purchased in 2013, 2012, 2013, from the very, very first batch that are still in use in schools today. I only know of one thing that they cannot be used for, and that's our state testing. Yeah. So I don't really view the death day or the end of support day as a, like, I must throw this in the trash. It's, well, put this one aside when it comes to state testing day, but you can go back to using it. Um, that being said, you still have to manage vulnerabilities as we just talked about with other things. Right. Um, so I don't think that categorizing Chromebooks as having a death date is, is accurate. And then Josh, what you just mentioned is also really important. It's seven years, seven years of support, which is well beyond what anybody should be considering for a, uh, a, a life for a device. For a $200, $300 at the most device. Like, I was going to say, we we do, for the most part, leasing. We do three-year lease, in and out, Chromebooks, just rotating those web was in and out. And I'm expecting them to last three years, but I'm not expecting four years, five years. My Windows devices, I put those on a four-year rotation plan. Uh, that's, mm-hmm. my ex- that's my expectation. Right. Yeah, so I think I, if you are comparing devices, and if in 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 my experience in the the lifespan of devices, Chromebooks for me well surpass the average lifespan of a student device. Um, and even when you're hitting that de- that date, it's not a death date; it's a you know an end of support date. Yeah, silliness. All right, what's uh, item number two? This one, this one's pretty laughable. Yeah. Manufacturers who make Chromebooks typically do not sell new spare parts or otherwise support repair. <laughs> what? Okay. I, so I took issue with the Verge article said that new keyboard repair, uh, replacement keyboards cost $89. And that's actually referenced in this, in this uh, PIRG report too. Um, I'm buying replacement keyboards for like 30 bucks. Yep, right. Me too. 30, 40. Um, and then they don't otherwise support repair. The devices that I just bought, we are signing a self-maintainer agreement so that my students that run my student help desk can service them actually under warranty. So That's what we do. I, like this I've never had and I've used I've used Asus, I've used I've used HP, I've used Lenovo, I've used all kinds of Chromebooks. I've never had an issue getting I, I've had issues getting parts when COVID hit and like the right. whole world is collapsing. We're trying to figure out how to make parts, but I've never had issues getting parts. Yeah. Uh, whatever the nine, whatever years I am to having Chromebooks at my school district. Right. Yeah. Right. Correct. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's a key piece is that if you are looking at repair part availability over the last few years, uh, you, everything has been impacted by the availability of parts, but um, I don't, I don't think that's necessarily accurate. The other thing is in the article, it says, for example, 10 of the 29 keyboards we reviewed cost $89.99 or more, which is nearly half the cost of a typical $200 Chromebook. Feel like that's a little bit of a manipulation of the data here. 
the you're you're reviewing ten of twenty nine Chromebooks. Now Chromebooks range from two hundred dollars to a thousand dollars. So of the ten that cost ninety dollars or more, are those the two hundred dollar models or are those the thousand right. dollar? Right. They don't really specify that. And I've looked into some of the links that they also talk about. They really don't. So I feel like that's a little, it could be a manipulation of the data. Uh, but in our experience, all three of us, none of us have really spent more than $30 on a, on a keyboard replacement. I said I can easily, my, my memory easily tells me I've used three different uh, uh, brands of Chromebooks that I've never spent $90 on a keyboard <laughs> replacement. Yeah. Um, point number three. The way these laptops are designed frustrate repair and reuse. Hmm. I, well, I don't understand this statement at all because I we I think part of our discussion on the last point addresses this, like frustrate repair. I've got I've got twenty five students that are repairing <laughs> seven hundred of these devices so far this year. Like they can be repaired. I teach middle school students how to replace screens right. and keyboards and touchpads. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I, I say this in a, in a, in a elevated way. We had a paraprofessional with no tech background, not she, she was tech savvy, but she didn't go to college, uh, to be a tech. She didn't take classes to be a tech. She didn't have family around her that taught her how to be a tech. And she fixes screens like nobody's business. Like, I disagree. I disagree. My life experience is different than this article's. Well, and and then when you're comparing that to other types of devices, Macs or or PC, it's just not. It, you can't compare the repair repairability. Yeah. Um. So, and the other thing we we're evaluating new Chromebooks. Some of the newer models, Acer, and I know I think it's Lenovo, have come out with a Chromebook where it's two screws. To replace a keyboard yeah that's awesome undo, you undo two screws you pop out the keyboard i i swear you can replace the keyboard in under a minute or two and that's the most common thing that breaks right well besides screen besides screen yeah yeah now they do reference the bezel and <laughs> i was just laughing about that for some reason some some manufacturers hp need to get a handle on the bezel like I, I can somewhat agree with the bezel being the bane of his existence when it comes to a Chromebook. Um, that's the only thing I really agree with in this article. Well, this thing even... It, well, what's funny about the, this this art article is it puts bezel in quotes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The quote-unquote bezel. <laughs> well, and, and they take issue with the fact that the Dell 11-inch Chromebook the 3100 and the 3110, the, be the bezels aren't interchangeable. Well, no, I've never bought, I've never bought a new generation, any laptop or Chromebook that you have interchangeable parts like that. Like, I think that's an show do we, vendor that does it, do that. It, this is chasing a little bit of a rabbit, but do we expect this of? toasters and refrigerators and vehicles and every other piece of technology and invention out there well you could say i can well no you can't really take your tires from like if the hubs don't match the hubs don't match right. um, <laughs> my key from one car isn't going to operate another car your quote-unquote key my quote on yes in air quotes you people listening can't 
can't see the air quotes I'm using around key. Um, yeah, like I'm with I'm with them, but then I'm completely not because again, I can take my which I, Josh, I know that you hate Lenovo Chromebooks, yeah. but I can take my Lenovo Chromebooks that got that went from generation one to generation two. That's called improvement. Maybe they changed the bezel to make it more durable. Maybe I'm having less screens break now because the the, the bezel changed slightly. That when it drops, it doesn't it doesn't impact as as, as much as it did previously. Yeah. That's what that's what that's called innovation. I I made a I made a comment on LinkedIn today. Um, someone shared this article, and I it, one of the one of the statements I made was, I don't care what the device is, you can give it to a middle schooler, and they will find very very unique ways on how to break that device. Like sure. I don't care what the device is, it can be a tough book from Samsung. They're going to find a way to break it. So yeah. like. You there are some expect there are some unrealistic expectations I think with whoever performed this study and wrote the article about it. I didn't realize I had this much passion about Chromebooks. I'm gonna go get a Google tattoo. It's it, you know what it is. It's not it's not necessarily about Chromebooks. For me, what what killed me about this article was that it you could apply this logic to any device, right? Even the context of the last few years. So. So here they have some recommendations towards the bottom of this. I don't even want to call it study, study, research, article, whatever it is. Propaganda. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, so the the their recommendation was to extend the life of Chrome OS software. Which sure, that's a nice thing to have. But honestly, seven years is well beyond what we in the we in K twelve are expecting of our student devices. But but that's an inaccurate state. Not not your statement, Mark. The the extend the life of the Chrome OS software, it's not the software that is EOLing, it's the hardware that is quote unquote end of life. Right. So right. this this statement is incorrect anyway. Yeah, I mean it's it ten years is a ridiculously long time for for technology. Yeah. And can you imagine having to build your uh your specs for your hardware to last ten years of use? That's very very difficult okay so imagine going to your grandparents house over thanksgiving and your grandma wheels out a 10 year old windows laptop that she bought at best buy on sale for 5.99 do you think that thing runs as well as a 10 year old chromebook no, no i guarantee it doesn't right 10 year old window yeah right give me a break find me well and going back to again we're talking about student, we're talking about student usage here find me anything other than maybe like an old teddy bear that a first grader keeps all the way to 10th grade yeah right? 10 years is a very very oh uh, oh for sure that when you look at that from the perspective of human like human life and the life of the kid you you want that chromebook to go from kindergarten to near graduation yeah yeah even if Google says, "Yeah, let's do it," it's not gonna make it. How how many how many rides on a bus? How many fights <laughs> with your backpack? How many getting mad at mom and dad and slamming the lid on the cr like total unrealistic expectation by whoever funded this study? I I I think the thing that the thing that drives me the most crazy about this is. You know, at the very at the very end, it says we have a stuff problem. 
Mm-hmm. We have a massive soft problem, meaning that like we're all just buying these things because we felt like it and we wanted to buy a bunch of devices and we're treating them as disposable devices. Nobody in K-12 intended to buy tens of thousands of, de- millions of devices, excuse me, all around, I don't know, maybe 2020, right? Yeah, right. It was it was a necessity. It it had to be done, and it was either going to be a Chromebook or a Mac or a PC, or it was, right? A lot of districts bought other devices during COVID. We had to, um, and that is what caused all the repair parts to suddenly dry up uh, and, and, and serve another one of their points. Um, and, and in my opinion, the main difference is we went from a time where, you know, it was hard for schools to get devices. Funds weren't necessarily readily available. Kids really took care of things. They really took care of that device because it was a, it was an honor to get one. COVID hits and everybody gets handed a laptop and everybody gets handed, um, a, a, yes, it's a rather inexpensive device. But the value in our kids' minds of these devices dramatically dropped and they stopped taking care of them. That's going to happen no matter what device you give them. Yeah. Yeah. And I, So that's why I feel like we're seeing way more devices breaking uh, is because our kids just don't value them as much. And and middle schoolers will break anything. Like, that's going to happen. Man. Okay. So take real it from cool. the con- real quick. Let take it from the converse side of things. My department, I've got three guys with me included, right? So we have 3,300 Chromebooks. There is no way on God's green earth that if those were all Windows laptops that had to be managed with Active Directory, that the three of us could manage that headache. Like I've been in enterprise environments that are smaller than that, and it took teams of 20 people to manage Active Directory in a functional manner. There's no way, like, if that's the solution, if that's the push here, nah, no way, not happening. Um, Chromebooks are much easier to manage from an administrative standpoint than than anything else I've seen. You could argue with a solid MDM, iOS devices are, are, are there too, but mm, Chromebooks are, or from a management standpoint, Chromebooks are the way. Yep. So whatever, Lucas. I hope you listen to this, Lucas. Is that who wrote the? the <laughs> yeah, I, well, I see his name at the bottom. So and, and yeah, I know I I read that too. I I I think it's it comes down to different perspectives, and I do think that if you're on the outside, um, and you really don't have a lot of experience repairing these devices, you see a lot of sure, you see a lot of e waste, yeah. and and he's right, right? There's a lot of e waste over the last few years. I don't think uh, that's avoidable given what's happened over the last three years. No, I agree. Um, And a big focus of this author is around the right to repair, which I'm a huge proponent of, right? And I think that is one of the main reasons why I think this article is actually wrong is that he's picking on a device that has given schools way more opportunity to keep their devices repaired and in service. I can trust you, you trust your kids to repair these devices whereas other manufacturers don't allow or don't build their devices for middle school tech clubs to repair or you have to be certified by a special organization to repair the uh, apple um you know the funny thing the the right to repair and interoperability on this i know 
LCD screens, we we pulled LCD screens out of Chromebooks that we were getting rid of that had fallen out of uh, life. Those LCD screens, we've been able to use on like three other yep. types from different manufacturers, makes, model. So I was going to say that too. That that universal universality. Uh, that's probably not a word. Um, the, the, yeah, this this article it seems ill informed. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I will say there's one main point that I I I can't argue with, and I do agree, and that's uh, is that one third of electronic waste is properly recycled. I do think that is something that we in school districts really should try to emphasize. Uh, try to emphasize and and push towards is striving to have more technology e-recycled or reused uh, within the classrooms as much as possible. Completely agree. Or when disposed of with an outside third party, an outside entity, they're going to a certified recycler that will dispose of it in an ethical manner, not just chip it in a landfill. Absolutely. Okay, Chris, you want to talk about Absolute and the conversation we had with them recently? Yeah, Josh and I, without Mark, got to hang out with Absolute. Uh, we've been unpacking them. Yes, I said unpacking. Uh, over the last several weeks, we did an interview with Warren and Bobby and Oliver over there. Uh, Josh, who was the company that, that, they, that they're formerly known as? Uh, shoot. And now I can't... I, I was going to say LoJack for PCs. LoJack for yes. PCs. Um, oh my gosh, I can't think of the name. It's going to come to me. I, I knew it a minute ago. Now we're fumbling the ball. Continue. The, you know what? The, so I've, I have an experience with Absolute. They went by a different name. Um, but it's lo- more or less LoJack for laptops. It, they Their product on a Windows device installs at the BIOS level and becomes a tracker. Um, the funny thing is I used that product years and years and years ago at a hospital. CompuTrace. CompuTrace, thank you. Um, I used that product at a hospital I used to work for. So it was funny when they said that. I'm like, hey, I know you guys. I used to use you guys. Um, so, yeah, we'll get into all of that in the interview. One of the things... Um, Chris apologized to Oliver for for me laughing at his email address. Um, but what Oliver said was his middle name starts with a B. Listen, hold on. <laughs> so Oliver's email address is oschmidt at absolute.com. Yeah. And then he <laughs> he said his middle initial is B. OBS. Yeah. Yeah. So you you come up with your own jokes. Your mileage may vary. Uh, so yeah, look for that interview. Uh, we'll interview, we'll publish that next week uh, because we will be in New Hampshire and we will have a special interview recorded from New Hampshire that we hope to uh, release Thursday night as well. Am I going to catch a tan in New Hampshire? I don't, I looked at the weather. It's going to be cold. Mm. Like I ordered better weather, Mark. Like, yeah, got lost in shipping. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of shipping, we did ship the mixer, yeah, um, and it didn't make it to uh, Boston. Boston, it did, it did. So, so we're going to be at the New Hampshire CTO clinic on the car park with the, with the mixer with some sweet. I get we get we got some sweet beats. So I'm excited. Some sweet intro music. Hopefully, some cool interviews going on. Mark's trying to get my anxiety up. There apparently there was an earthquake yesterday in New Hampshire. Yeah, it was a 2.9 uh, earthquake in in, uh, in our in our town. That's excited. That's nothing for Missouri. We got the new Madrid here. True. 
Made the mistake. Mark's going to take us to some pizza place where you can go around the back and get pizza out of the kitchen. That's right. Sounds Sand Mobios. Like Sounds like a health code violation, but whatever. Um, Anyways, O. Schmidt at absolute.com. So there was uh, some news, I guess, that came out yesterday, a couple days ago. Uh, there has been a new federal legislative uh, bill proposed um, by U.S. Rep. Doris Matsu from California. It's actually a um, a couple people, Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee, Zach Nunn from Iowa, and uh, Mark Warner from Virginia. Um, they're kind of retasking CISA to come out with this cybersecurity improvement plan um, for K-12. And there's, there's a number of things, and we can kind of unpack several of these things here real quick. Um, one of them is an, a registry for schools to self-report voluntarily incidents that have taken place. Um, kind of sounds familiar, but what do you what do you guys think? Or will schools do that? Do you think, or will that have to be forced for schools to? I'm going to do whatever my boss tells me to do, and whatever the school attorney's telling us to do. Right, and. We've talked about this before. Some insurance policies don't allow you to report to certain agencies, let alone the feds, which I think is ridiculous. Um, so there, to me, there would be some question as to if schools would be allowed by their insurance policy or, or lawyers to self-report that. Unless you can anonymously do it. Yeah, but what's the point then? I mean, I don't know. Well, I, I, I think it's helpful, but... A lot of states already have reporting requirements. And so if you're adding requirements and more and more reporting requirements, something's going to fall through the cracks. So uh, I'm not against it. I just think that I hope that it's done in collaboration with other states so that we have, so schools just have one place to report. And in this, it says information submitted to the registry is strictly voluntary and will help improve data collection and coordinate activities related to nationwide monitoring of incidents and financial impact of cyber attacks. So, um, again, it, uh, there's there are some questions around to around the ability for schools to self-register like that. Um, another one is uh, info. Go ahead. Can we recommend the K twelve six math? Like, yeah, that's. That. I mean, we can point them at Doug. Um, Mr. What do you think Doug thinks of this? You know that would Doug. There's, Doug, what do you think of this? Doug, come on out. Um, yeah, did you see, um, not Maury Povich, what's, um, Gary Springer. Springer died today. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it'll be interesting. And then there's an information exchange, uh, Ooh. legislation directs cybersecurity and CISA to establish a cybersecurity information exchange to disseminate information, best practices, and grant opportunities. Um, I dig it. Okay, but I kind of think MSISAC's doing that to a degree, right? Like you can join, you can join MSISAC's email list for free after you're vetted, and you receive all of those alerts. So I don't, I don't know what CISA would send that would be any different than what MSISAC's are already sending. Um, and then there, the third big item is K twelve, uh. Cybersecurity Technology Improvement Program uh, to establish a program to be administered through an information and analysis organization uh, to help address risks, uh, cybersecurity risks by NK-12. And Bill authorizes $10 million per year, which 
do, do do you think this is just some additional focus to K twelve? You know, MSI Sec is all, all you know. You, you there's more than just K twelve. You think this is just the wanting to pin down into K twelve a little bit more? Maybe I mean, Sizz has already said that it's a critical. It they're one of the critical infrastructures. So, um, and and this ten million dollars per year to help fund. I, I don't know that that's a drop in the bucket that that will not go for, far at all. Ten million dollars at the federal level is is an insult. Yeah, my opinion. And there is like how much how much can you do to support K twelve with ten million dollars? Right across the country. Yeah. Right. You're talking about fifty to seventy five people. Right. Yeah. Nothing. It's. Nothing. While, while I appreciate the effort, and and by all means, the focus there needs to be a focus on K twelve cybersecurity. Um, I I don't know. Uh, I don't know. We need, we need we need more information. Yeah, we are we are very negative today. We are we are kind of negative. <laughs> you know who I'm. You know who I'm. Go ahead, Chris. I was going to say just to kind of put this out there. So we do the Midwest Tech Talk conference in july and mark's going to be there but sis is also going to be there and i love that they're coming so i love this i think this is the best i think 10 million is going to go really far but this this oh. isn't this isn't is <laughs> doing this this is marcia miss blackburn doing it so unless you've got miss blackburn coming to the conference in july okay um, okay but you know who we do appreciate and who we're very positive about, um, Extreme Networks. I was uh, up in one of my closets today. We were replacing, finally replacing two UPSs that were blown nice. tornado nice. a couple weeks ago, and I'm sitting there staring straight at two U's of purple Extreme switches. Um, my so switches yeah. are coming. Are they? Yes, I'm excited. Yeah, Extreme. Uh, I I saw an article today on LinkedIn. Uh, Extreme announced that. They are offering Wi-Fi in another major, one of the top-tier MLB uh, baseball stadiums uh, now. So they're everywhere. It's kind of like Roy Kent on on Ted Lasso. He's there. He's. I don't know what you're saying. I'm not going to finish that because there's a cuss word in that. Um, but I love Ted Lasso. Uh, Is that so, a show? Oh, great show on Apple Plus TV. Fantastic what? show. You didn't yeah. know that show? Chris, you would love. I don't have Apple um, Plus, there's... though. There's some content that you may not like. Um, I appreciate I appreciate the transparency. Uh, Ricky Mel D Mayor at ExtremeNetworks.com for your extreme needs. And ask Dominic if he likes Ted Lasso. Um, Chris is the closest person I know in my, in my life that reminds me of Ted Lasso. You know what? Is it my looks? Chris can no. be... It's your looks and your personality. Chris can be Ted Lasso for Halloween. He... He is Ted Lasso. Yeah, it would not. What's take... great about this moment is that I don't know if I'm being complimented or if I should be very your manner, offended. Your mannerisms right now are Ted Lasso. Yes, the, the whole when, when yes. sitting back in the office, <laughs> like that's Ted Lasso. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. guys. I think great show. Great show. You need a AFC Rich, Richmond shirt. Hey, after this, send me your passwords. So. Passwords. What? To Apple. Apple. Whatever. Oh. Uh. <laughs> Like, where's this going? 
I'll got to report this one to the registry now. He knows who we... Yeah, exactly. We're going to have to report this. This is uh, Chris is asking for passwords. I need your credentials, please. You know who else we would have to... Who You know who would know that we're password sharing because they are so good at security? NTP. NTP. A proud new sponsor of the K-12 Tech Talk podcast. NTP. They can hook you up with your cybersecurity solution. Uh, whether that be your EDR or them to monitor your stuff, whatever, check out NTP. And and let's let's unpack monitor your stuff. Um, they do socks. They do manage sock services. Uh, they can put a device on your network that monitor. You can port mirror your outbound traffic. They'll monitor that for you. They've got deals with Sentinel One right now for managed Sentinel One, and it's the complete Sentinel One. So it's like top tier package, and their sock will monitor. Uh, the Sentinel One machines for you and t- can take action for you if you don't answer the phone when they call. Uh, so check out NTP. Uh, did, did David tell us who they need to email? I think DREN. W R E N D W. I'll put that in the podcast description once I know that for sure. And they are also sponsors of K12 Tech Pro. And if you're not on K12 Tech Pro, you have no, unless you're not employed by a K12 Tech department, you should be. You go to k12techpro.com, you click on community, you go through the vetting process. We legit make sure that you are actively employed in K12 Tech. And then you get on there and Mark's on there and Josh is on there and Mark, Twitter plus people are on there. Mark had a really good post. I'm going to pull it up today and just kind of, Mark had a really good uh, piece of content today about what he did. Uh, copyright violation with streaming devices. We're not sharing that link because that's exclusive K12 no, that, Tech Pro yeah, content. No, that, no, yeah. If you want to know if you're breaking copyright laws, get on K12 Tech Pro. You'll figure Mark will tell you. Yeah. Um, I, I, some people were really nice. They're like, oh, thank you. This is great. Thank you. And then one person goes, who's Mark? Yeah, that's D. <laughs> that's spectacular. Yeah, you got you to gotta know D. Um, so I asked a question about jump boxes today. There's uh, people asking questions about Orion and Ubiquity switches. Uh, who's lock and Chrome OS version, speaking of Chrome OS, uh, all kinds, there's really, and, and most posts get anywhere from five to 15 comments, people trying to help them out. Uh, there's chat rooms, there's a global chat room. We have some people from, we, I say like, I'm. there's, there's, you're there. We are K12 Tech Talk. We are K12 Tech Pro. And so are you. Um, there's a dude from Japan there. There's, uh, we've got people from overseas, a lot of states. Uh, it's pretty cool to kind of see the interaction. And guess what? We're all seeing the same problems. Um, like this Mark's, Mark's solution for this K-12 or for this copyright problem, like people from across the country are saying, oh my God, this is awesome. Thank you so much, Mark. You are such an <laughs> amazing human. Like, yeah, Mark got major no, kudos today. No one said that though. Well, someone gave him a crown. Who was it? Someone said Mark gets a crown for today. I don't remember who that was. That was my mom. She's on there. Yeah. The vetting sucks. Did you you let your mom have your password? Yeah. Oh, Mark. I vetted her. This trash <laughs> trashes me. It was like, who's this Josh guy? Are we are we gonna are we gonna get to meet your mom? Uh no. No. Oh, uh, but we could do like a picture. I'm sure your mom and dad want to meet Chris and make sure he's okay after the HR incident. Yeah. I, I know. She's probably listening to this as well, yeah. right? Hi, Mark's mom. She's going to get really mad that you're not letting us meet her. Mark's mom, you've raised a fine young man. He's so helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyways, moving to a different topic. 
Um, As you know, he does have issues with his pride, and we're trying to work on that with him. (laughs) Uh, Last week, I um, read the listener email about that problem uh, with the impersonated (laughs) domain. Yeah. Yes. The yes. The impersonated. Um, Continue a follow up on that one. Uh, one of my guys who is brilliant with these kinds of things uh, found an amazing solution that I think is worth sharing. So uh, it's a one of the free tools from Know Before. You don't have to be a Know Before subscriber to use this tool, but it's called Domain Doppelganger. Google Domain Doppelganger. It's a Know Before product. It's one of their free tools. You got to fill in the form and sign up. So you might get some some uh, some spam emails, but in a few minutes after you fill out this form, it sends you a report, which is just kind of general. In the bottom of the report, you click on it to get more information. It takes your domain and goes through as many combinations as it possibly can. For my domain, it found 6,300 different combinations uh, of that. Uh, That's crazy. Domain. And then it tells you if an MX record, if an NS record exists, it gives you the who is record for it. So you can immediately see if somebody is impersonating your domain has created another domain and more importantly if they've actually created an mx record uh and that gives you the ability to say okay i gotta go block this domain i gotta block this domain uh so that you or other people may not get uh get spoofed by it so domain doppelganger so and and by domain like doppelganger domains you mean domains that look very very similar to your domain and that that uh, email that we had last week that example there was a misspelling that right. made the the trash domain look very very similar to the legitimate domain so this is really cool i'm gonna do this super cool item, my domain today. good i know you're not used to hearing this but good job again mark i i i brought it to you but i i can't take the credit for it, it was one of the guys on my team that found it and uh he already i think he initiated a takedown on on one of the domains so nice that's cool very very cool all right. Anything else for this week, gentlemen? No. All right. Mark, the next, the next time you hear us, it's going to we'll be, be together. Be together. We'll sound amazing. Yeah. I'm going to bring Mark cookies. Oh, and I got the mixer at home so I can go in and scrub out all those. Um... You can go figure out what. You can go figure out the level problem with the mixer. I will figure out the level problem. I'm going to also delete uh, that air horn so Chris can't use the... You get... Oh, come on. I'm just going to make all the buttons. All the buttons are going to be just Chris, his little, like... Oh, snippets. Chris sound effects? Okay. I don't like this. That, that's button number one. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. We will, Thanks for listening. Share us with your friends. Tweet us. It, it, tweet us and let us know the feedback on this uh, Chromebooks are the devil article. Um, and, and let us know if we're off base. I know Chris tweeted it earlier in the week and we got some pretty good feedback, uh, that aligns with what we were saying. We'd love to hear dissension. If, if someone yep. here thinks we're wrong, I'd love to have a conversation about that and see what that's like. Actually bring that conversation to K- K12 tech pro to the community there. Um, any final thoughts guys? Lucas, if you're listening, We'd love to hear from you, too. What's that mean? Oh, the reporter in the article. Okay, yeah, maybe we'll tweet it. All right, guys, thanks for listening. We will see you next week from New Hampshire.